This is Dee Medina, and you are listening to the second episode of the Can You Sub Again? You Can Make a Difference as a Substitute Teacher podcast. I had a great conversation with my son Chase tonight on the post-progress or the post-protocol or sometimes the maddening post-process for marketing my book, Superstar Subbing, Seven Ways to Shine as a Substitute Teacher. Out of our five children, Chase randomly popped in my head tonight. And like many modern families, I texted him from my room to his room to see if he could come over for a chat. I had probably just over 20 tabs open on my web browser. And starting with my new Linktree account, I began to show him some of the steps that I'm taking to promote my book and which ones I feel are tailored to my working style. We also talked about some avenues I haven't ventured down yet due to my lack of knowledge, to which Chase said, oh, I know about that one, Dad. Let me know if you need a hand getting it set up. At one point, he picked up a copy of my book and turned to a section of student quotes and started reading them out loud. He could relate to just about every one that he read. And although I hadn't planned on it, It was a lot of fun to hear my son reading my work with sincere enjoyment and admiration. He was really engaged. And as a busy seventh grader, what I thought would be a two minute chat turned into a 30 minute back and forth, not only about what I was working on, but about the highs and lows of his week. Anyway, if you are a substitute teacher or know a substitute teacher, I think you'll find the student quotes from my book Superstar Subbing, Seven Ways to Shine as a Substitute Teacher, even more insightful and interesting than Chase did. And now I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. You are more than just a sub. My road to becoming a full-time, all-in educator was not only a bumpy one, it was one that I wasn't necessarily looking for at all. I had been on another career path, working for a large nonprofit organization for six years, And this eventually led to me starting another nonprofit from the ground up with three other families. In creating the new nonprofit, our team hit the ground running. And I found myself sometimes at the end of a 60 or 70 hour work week, feeling like I had barely worked at all. We were having fun. We were learning. We were planning projects and watching those projects succeed. Our team was flying high with all of the same kind of thrilling busyness that owners of any new small business might feel. And in the first two years, business was booming. By all accounts, we were firing on all cylinders. And one of the key drivers of this success was the financial backing we had from a few larger nonprofits. We were also partnering with other small organizations and members of the community. We could see the potential of being a standalone, self-supporting entity at least within five years. Then along came a recession, not just any recession, the recession that truly made a name for itself. At first it came in as a trickle of bad news here and there, and then a stream of consistent worse news, and eventually a flood of weekly, if not daily, awful news. People we had fostered new relationships with were losing jobs, losing businesses, and some we knew were losing marriages. Families were moving out of the city or state, and some literally just disappeared without telling us where they were going. There was a lot of stress and a lot of tears. 
This not only affected our fledgling nonprofit, it halted it. Not long before this time, I had already taken steps necessary to substitute teach on occasion. When our family had an extra expense or I wanted to take my new bride out on a special date, now in a full-blown recession, I found myself trying to get daily sub work and eventually found a consistent school site that assigned me a long-term job for a teacher who had abandoned her post. I had my bachelor's and my master's degree by this time, but I had not yet applied for a postgraduate teaching credential. As I became more and more immersed into the culture of this new school, even doing extracurricular activities such as chaperoning field trips and coaching softball, I began to discover that a sort of invisible divide ex existed between substitute teachers and regular teachers. I'd felt this divide or sense of difference in spurts when I was occasionally subbing, but I always chalked it up to the fact that I was only going to be at a given site for a day or two. I felt like the outsider, the visitor, the newbie, who people knew wasn't going to be around next week and often the next day. I was surprised then when even after meeting hundreds of students at my long-term site that this feeling of being an outsider still lingered. It wasn't even just feeling like an outsider or a newbie though. I had a feeling of being a sort of less than educator because I was only a substitute teacher. In my mind, I was just a sub. Those three words, just a sub, even became part of my introduction to new adults I would meet, such as staff and parents. So, uh, what do you teach, they would ask. Oh, I'm just a sub here for Miss F. Even after I was brought back for a second year at the same school as their resident sub, having already assistant coached the girls' softball team to a city championship, starred in a staff talent show for the students, and had my own classroom, my standard introduction usually found those three words making their way in, just a sub. Up to this point, I had founded a nonprofit, I was a beloved husband, a caring father, and I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, not only with a BA, but also with an MA. And yet I couldn't shake the feeling that I was just a sub. Finally, in my third year at the same school, in a new long-term assignment, a vice principal came to visit my classroom during my conference period. How are you doing? She asked with a smile. Great, how are you? She replied, busy, always busy. Hey, I wanted to talk to you really quick about what your plans might be to become a teacher. Really? I replied, wondering where this was coming from. To be honest, I'm not sure I wanna become a teacher. She looked at her watch and then said, well, for what it's worth, you're subbing better than many of our teachers are teaching. And that info stays here. But I've seen you here every day now for three years, and you're probably making one third of what the teachers are making, no health benefits, and your classroom management and rapport is some of the best I've ever seen. She gave another quick glance at her watch and said, so think about it, okay? Okay, thank you, I will, I said as I watched her leave. I remember sitting on top of one of my students' desks in an empty classroom, and I was just thinking about her words. I was searching my memories to see if they reflected her assessment. 
I wasn't going to go down the road of comparing myself to other teachers and whether or not I was quote unquote better. And I already knew about the salary and the benefit contrasts, which were fine at the time since I knew I could come and go as a sub and I wasn't subjected to classroom observation and reviews and basically had the freedom to roam. But what I could think on was the classroom management and rapport. Even if I was just a sub in my mind, the kids now simply knew me as Mr. Medina. Even in the toughest classes, I had developed my own system for getting things on track. In fact, I would often have regular staff teachers send their timeout kids to my class. That had never really hit me before the vice principal's visit. Full-time credentialed teachers were sending their kids that they couldn't control to the subs room because they knew he could handle it. Students and teachers knew I was coaching and dancing like a fool in talent shows. And these things added to the rapport I was building in class. And what everything boiled down to was that I loved and cared for students. One teacher even remarked, all I keep hearing is that you are good for kids. And even if I was insecurely calling myself just a sub to adults, I approached students with nothing less than a compassionate full-time teacher's effort. So why is this important? Well, I hope it has some importance to someone listening because the following year after my encouraging visit from the vice principal, I did enroll in a credentialing program. Six months after enrolling, I got my first job as a full-time, full-pay, full-benefits, regular teacher. I was teaching on an intern credential backed by my by my university, and I even got to do my student teaching in my own classroom with the mentor teacher helping me at every turn. And in my first year as a teacher, when I would meet substitutes, it wasn't long before I realized the divide causing me to use the words just a sub had not only been in my mind, but they were in the minds of other subs as well. I literally met subs who use those exact same words. Well, right now I'm just a sub or, oh, oh, I'm just, I'm just sub, uh, subbing and covering for, I could hear my old self in their words and see the old me in their body language. In the more than a decade that followed, I made a conscious effort to take the time to have a quality conversation with everyone who subbed for me or even if I made a connection with a sub on campus for someone else. A few people didn't care to get past the giving me the, oh, I'm just a sub and I don't plan on becoming a teacher vibe. But most people I found to be friendly, engaging, and the kind of people who wanted to do a better job in the trenches of public education. Back when the vice principal visited me, she didn't seem to be doing so out of a sense of imposing her status over mine. But as a colleague in the same trenches, knowing how challenging the work can be. Therefore, when I talked to subs I met, I used her same spirit, appreciating the myriad of amazing people I met, trying to convey that they were all more than just subs. Now, it's at this point that I do want to circle back around to the quote unquote divide or difference that I felt years before long term subbing and still felt after being at the same school for three years. Although I freely admit 
some of my own insecurities carried me into the just a sub mindset, I'm also willing to freely admit that that divide for some people, unfortunately, is a real thing. I mentioned in my book, Superstar Subbing, Seven Ways to Shine as a Substitute Teacher, that I've met more regular or full-time teachers than I care to mention who unfortunately have a sense of superiority over subs. Many of them never even subbed and went from their credentialing programs straight into their student teaching assignment and then into their own classrooms. In the book, I mentioned some of my direct experiences with this kind of unhealthy hierarchy mindset and how senseless it really is when we stop to consider the common goal, doing what's best in the interest of students, namely loving them, caring for them, and teaching them. I'll spend more time in future episodes dissecting, dispelling, and hopefully in some cases defeating the myth that regular teachers or students have any right to look at substitutes in a negative light. But for now, I want to begin at the beginning. And the beginning is us. Like so many other aspects in life, we simply cannot control the thoughts and actions of others. But we can definitively and resolutely control how we respond. Unfortunately for me, I never moved past the justice of mindset when I was teaching. But I would later reflect and then see how that mindset had the potential to hinder anyone who undertook the work of a substitute teacher. So, are you ready to move past the justice of mindset, even if you have no plans to become a full-time teacher? Or, if you've never had this mentality, perhaps the following five reminders are what you can pass on to someone else who may struggle with this self-defeating concept. If you have even a small willingness to make a difference in the lives of students, there may be times when you have to remind yourself or someone else that you are more than just a sub. Here are five reminders that you are more than just a sub. Number one, you have a bachelor level or more college education. The percentage may vary slightly depending on where you look But the number of people who have reported to have completed their bachelor's degree in America hovers somewhere around 30%. I don't let myself or anyone else make light of the fact that I have an education. Being the first one in my family to graduate from college is cool in and of itself. But when I think back to the hours spent driving to and from class, being in class, and then reading those textbook chapters writing those papers, and taking tests for those classes, I realized I had no reason to ever feel inferior to a quote-unquote regular teacher. Remember, I even had my master's degree when I was subbing and still felt inferior to teachers who maybe only had their bachelor's. And it's not a competition. I'm not saying that I have felt or want to feel myself on the high side of any hierarchies. What I'm saying is, You and I already have accomplished something challenging and unique, and 70% of people in the country, they'll never accomplish it. Number two, you have secured the proper state level credentials. Requirements vary by state, but academic competency testing or state credentialing, those are constants. 
these are not usually easy to research and then take the steps to complete. I remember being glad when I could finally get my cashier's check or money order to send to the state, but that was after I had studied to take our state's competency test. Friends had loaned me books as thick as college textbooks to use to study for the test, along with sample tests from the state's website. When the day of the exam arrived, it was in two parts and it amounted to a full day's work of testing. I had to wait a week or two or three for the test results and I was absolutely elated that I had passed both parts on my first try. Subs don't just walk in off the street, fill out a postcard size application and then get keys to the classroom. There is a state and district level process in order to secure this privilege. Remind yourself of the time and money you spent to get that part done. Number three, you successfully filled out an application and provided a quality resume. This is no small thing. Before people started Googling everything for everything, I can't, I can't remember how many students reached out to me for help with their resume after graduation. Often I would just give them my resume as a template and then some advice for how they could tweak it for their own use. When it comes to resumes and applications, people are paid to screen and review those to see if you'll even qualify for a next step interview. This is another aspect of the substitute teaching process that I think can directly counter the just a sub mindset. No one looks at these documents, our resumes, our applications and thinks, oh, it's just an application and a resume. As long as they didn't fill it out with crayons, call them up. Someone looked over these documents, saw your experience, education, references, and your effort. And these are no small feats. Number four, you interviewed well. Now, when I say you interviewed well, I mean just that, whether you were hired or not. And I am not that person. This is not some kind of positive thinking, Jedi mind trick way of looking things. Interviews are stressful endeavors. Even if you have a fairly good idea of what is going to be asked, you go in there knowing human nature is going to evaluate you on everything from what you're wearing to your hairstyle to the cut of your jib. Somewhere in the midst of that, your answers are also going to be evaluated and not just on content, but on your voice inflection, your energy, your overall confidence. Even if you can get through an interview knowing all of this, you interviewed well. If you got the job and are currently subbing, then you interviewed really well. And the fifth reminder that you were more than just a sub. Number five, you were chosen to be on the team. Whether or not the team is perfect and without flaws is not the point. If the team doesn't recognize that it's a team where every member should be valued, that's not the point. What makes you more than just a sub is that you are just as much a part of the team with as many opportunities to positively impact student lives as anyone else on the team. In many cases, you have more opportunities. Let's put it this way. I've known lunch workers and custodians whose students love to see 
and looked forward to high-fiving as the highlight of their day. And I, want, I don't want to see anything negative, but if that was the highlight of their day, what is that saying about some of their teachers? One of the most impactful school employees I've ever known was a secretary who always had students visiting her office for encouragement or a quick laugh. You made the team. And as a member of the team, you are given literal and figurative keys to the lives of children. You have the opportunities to visit a mixed bag of campuses across a spectrum of grade levels and sometimes in more than one district. You're not only a team member, you're a traveling ambassador for the team. As I mentioned earlier, I look back on my just a sub days with some regret. It was important to me to get this out early in the book and in these podcast episodes because I want to help substitute teachers avoid the mistake I made. I regret devaluing myself in some sense and not taking more of an active role to approach each day with expectation. I didn't have a traveling ambassador mindset and was not looking at how I could encourage and uplift kids who may be struggling. Sometimes just smiling and saying a kid's name can absolutely make their week. And even after I was doing things like coaching and looking to be involved in the extras, I wasn't seeking out kids to encourage on an hour by hour, day by day, or even a week by week basis. It was almost as though I thought, since I'm just a sub, I can't purposely set out to reach kids until I have that full-time moniker. I sincerely wish I could have some of those early years back but since I can't, I can hopefully help you not make that same mistake. Henceforth, I hereby give you permission to completely delete the just a sub mindset and begin seeing yourself and your efforts as having ineffable value. So give me your take. Can you relate to the just a sub tag? Have you ever heard students or staff make reference to substitutes being just subs? What was your internal or external reaction when you heard it? What will those reactions be going forward? If you'd like to contribute to the conversation on this subject, be sure to stop by the website canyousubagain.com. You can always find a transcript of the most recent podcast and add your voice to the discussion by visiting the post on the topic or on the site's homepage. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support the Can You Sub Again podcast, I would totally appreciate it if you consider taking the time to leave a quick rating or review on the Apple site. Thanks so much for listening to the Can You Sub Again podcast, and be sure to check back again next week.